Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council. It is good to be back behind the mic or having a mic around my head as I have a headset as the case may be for this particular show. Uh, but it, I'm not alone, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I am with two good friends of mine. I've got that intro all wrong, so I'm going to do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> why can't I Whoa. be a good friend? Why, why is it only ever Dave? <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what, I'll just carry on then. Uh, my first oh, good no, friend no, you're is... Have to do it again now. <laughs> I can just edit it, it's fine. My first good friend is Mr. Contrary himself, Alistair Clark. Say hello, Ali. Come on! Oh, Dave, he's doing it again. He's, he's, he hasn't taken a hint from the previous shows, mate. I know. I, th- I think it's because we react to it. Maybe if we just ignore him like he's not even there. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like me with my video at the moment. You can't see me, Dave, so therefore it might be the same thing. Yes. I can see you, Alex, which is why I'm number one friend. (laughs) You've not even introduced your brother in the force yet. No, I know I haven't. So as you can see, ladies and gentlemen, me and Ali are definitely not alone. Uh, We do have my good buddy and brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. It's good to have the two of you behind the microphone in your respective locations, of course, not with me in the same room uh, because that would be breaking social distancing rules uh, but <laughs> but nevertheless we are back that's right ladies and gentlemen the jedi council is back uh, we are hoping to keep you entertained for the next hour hour and a half ish of everything and anything star wars how long well two things about that one it is never that long and number two we do have a specific topic we are gathering around today for it isn't just anything it isn't everything it is about the most recent release um of the new thrawn trilogy i'll get it out there in the end um that's right ladies and gentlemen we are going to have a book review show uh of the latest <laughs> timothy zahn 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 is zahn isn't it timothy <laughs> zahn? no it's zahn zahn timothy zahn all right timothy zahn novel. i think southerners uh, might go zahn how do you say it dave zahn no that's just wrong is it we may have to mention him on the tweet when this goes live just to get clarification. Otherwise, we're going to be butchering his name left, right, and centre. And we've not even got into the full name. Okay, just going off on one already. How do you say castle? Castle. castle. There's no R in castle. There's no Cassing Castle. No, but it's from the French Castile. How do you say Paris? Paris. How do you say Munich, Dave? <laughs> just wanted to check <laughs> oh i can't believe it. it's it's been three minutes and we have gone literally ridiculously off topic um but hey what what, what I don't know, Jeff, I can't around going i'll do i'll do timothy zan <laughs> queen doesn't say that dave she lives no, in the castle watch <laughs> reading books by timothy zan my, my wife is the same because she's from Cambridge and her view is that she speaks better English than me because she lives closer to the Queen or she's from closer to the Queen. Well, she's right. I was going to say, there's nothing wrong about what she's just said. That's I mean, the Queen doesn't even have an estate there. Where? <laughs> well, she has one obviously in Norwich, near Norwich, Sandringham. She yes. has one in Scotland, one in yeah. Northern Ireland, one in Wales, don't have one in Manchester. Ladies and gentlemen, you have not stumbled upon the history of where the Queen lives in England. You have actually stumbled upon the Jello Council podcast and we are chatting rubbish as per usual. 
Welcome back. Well, <laughs> yes, welcome back to the show. Ta-da! Wow, okay, we are seriously yeah. well off topic. Let's um, let's get back on track, shall we? So we were talking about resistance, right? No. Uh, <laughs> we are here to talk about the latest novel by Timothy Zahn, Zan, uh, whatever we're going to call him. Uh, I'm just going to call him Timmy. I think that's a bit easier all around. That'll uh, do. Uh, yeah. yeah, Timmy. Timmy and Shimmy. Timmy, Timmy. <laughs> Oh, Ali, I feel sorry if you're editing this podcast tomorrow, mate, because you're doing it, not me. <laughs> if I could download it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, last time it was me, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, yeah, so this is the review of the Timothy Zahn uh, book, Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. This is the first book um, in a new trilogy that effectively takes us back in time to learn a little bit more about Thrawn and also learn a little bit more about the Chiss in general. So this isn't the the first novel um, that Timothy Zane's on, whatever we're calling him, has, um, has written uh, in the new canon. Um, this is book four, effectively. Uh, we do know he's previously written uh, Thrawn, Thrawn Alliances, and then Thrawn... Oh, I'm losing my mind. Treason. What is it? Treason? Treason, thank you. Yes, Thrawn Treason, um, which is the third book in that particular uh, trilogy. Um, I've read the first two. I haven't haven't read the third one yet, uh, so I need to finish that. But nevertheless, this particular book takes a step back in time uh, to take us to when uh, Thrawn is still in the Chiss rather than the Empire. Uh, and of course, the other thing to bear in mind with this is that we got these books for all thanks to our good friends over at Random House, Penguin, uh, Del Rey, because they're all part of the same family. Uh, so it was our good friends over there that managed to send us a copy of these books. Uh, and without them, obviously, we probably would have bought them anyway, knowing us. Uh, but nevertheless, we're getting these for free. So, yeah, we are incredibly grateful uh, to Del Rey for pinging those over to us. Um, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, we've had a little bit of an update from them today, haven't we? That we may be getting something else in the post. Yes, yes. So we've got up and coming um, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. He's coming out to take back. Um, so they will, we are being provided with a couple of copies to do reviews of that. And also, more exciting personally, because it's brand new, is the second volume of the From a Certain Point of View. Um, so it's The Empire Strikes Back. The first one was all from A New Hope, um, and this one is all from The Empire Strikes Back. So we're going to receive a few copies of that, and I can promise that we will be given at least one, if not two, away as a prize to to the lucky lucky Star Wars fans. So stay tuned and we'll announce details of exactly how the, 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 the prize will work and, and what hoops we're going to want you to jump through to try and get your hands on one. Um, but um, yes, yes, exciting times, more books coming. Absolutely. And what, what better way to get our uh, audiences involved by jumping through hoops to get a book? You know, we, we are we need to get you guys involved somewhere along the line. So hopefully we'll make it fun. We'll make it interactive. Um, and then obviously we'll, we'll hand out some of those prizes as and when we get them. Again, as per Dave's comment, more details on that to follow. So the book, first and foremost, I don't, I don't want to talk about the content first. What I want to talk about if we can, and by the way, listeners, we're going to go massive into spoiler territory. So if you have not read the book, do it first and foremost, and then you can come back and listen. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is 
the style of the book if we can do that first. So we've obviously got the hardback book. Uh, and the striking thing for me, and I didn't, I hadn't really kind of looked at any preview images or anything like that. Uh, I'd obviously seen the cover, which is which is really cool uh, in itself, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But the thing that struck me that I didn't know until it arrived, the pages are tinted is probably the wrong word, but the edges of the page are blue, um, mm. which, as we all know, they just have blue skin. Uh, so for me, this was the first striking thing that I, I kind of found about the book. Um, don't really see that kind of theming styling coloring on a book guys i mean i've, I've not i can't think of any uh, any other book that i've got that has done it i can oh go on now <laughs> i can i discovered in poundland the other day whilst adding to my star wars collection <laughs> that i'm uh, that the actual um force awakens um young novel versions in red the pages are red at the edge ah. i didn't know that before but i do now Right. So there's, there's clearly a theming emerging of some of these Star Wars books, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I it's, I I'd say it's, it's not something I've seen recently, but I've got older books, and it did used to be a thing, if that makes sense. Where you've seen like Shakespeare okay. first editions and things it's, like that from when you were born. Well, well I, I can say the, the behind me in where we're recording at the moment are um, a couple of bookcases. Um, there are Star Wars books on there, but um, it used it did used to be a thing. Um, I've got copies of Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and The Silmarillion that are all gold gold gilt edged, all the pages. Um, I've got a couple of other books. Again, it it tends to be books I would say that are at least twenty thirty years old. And, and red seemed, seemed to be a feat, where there was, like, red-edged. Um, I, I definitely get the red for Force Awakens. You know, Kylo Ren, at that point in time, anyway, Kylo Ren was such a well-marketed character that having the red would, would perfectly make sense. And let's jump back to your comment, Dave, about Lord of the Rings. You know, the ring is is, is a gold ring. So, yeah, that, that makes that makes perfect yeah. sense to kind of tie the themes all together. Um and obviously, same with Chiss, right? The Chiss have got blue skin. Um, I'm kind of gutted that there's no elements of red for his eyes. You know, you can imagine that being on the... Oh, that'd be a little bit freaky, to Ooh, be fair. that'd be cool, though. But there you go. If you're listening, Del Rey, a little bit of a tip for the next book when it comes out. Um, have the blue blue trim with the, maybe a little bit of red. Just saying. You know. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but um, the other thing that I wanted to ask the two of you, because... I'm kind of struggling, really. Um, on the front, it's got like a double-headed snake. Yes. Any ideas? Yes. I'm I'm going for that. The the Chiss Ascendancy's logo. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a bit like, is that what? Because it doesn't. I don't think it's mentioned in the book, and I can't remember it being mentioned. I could be wrong, and listeners, if I am wrong, let us know. But no, but Alex, I, I think you're onto something. I like that because look, he's leaving the Chiss ascendancy in his shadow, and we know where he ends up. Oh, that's a little bit of foreshadowing. I like that. We foreshadowing. Uh, I got it. I got it. Just Dave didn't like it. He's chuckling away to himself, listeners. Don't worry about that. We can see him. You can't, but we can. Um, so yeah, so that was the first thing that I, that I thought was pretty cool with this particular yeah, cool. book. 
which is a nice, nice little feature. Uh, so then jumping into the book itself, gentlemen, Dave, I'm going to ask you this first because you and I have got a slightly longer history, as, as we should call it, in Star Wars literature. Um, than well, I'm not much firm when Ali learned to read, actually. It is true, Dave. I think you were about 104 when I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Very good. Shots keep on coming. Can, can I ask a question, though, in all seriousness? Because it really confused me. It's the very first thing that confused me about this book. Did you look at the timeline? It's not in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was the very first thing I looked at, and I kept being like, well, where is this? So I, I don't know if that's deliberately done or what, but I kind of thought that was an interesting sort of... I mean, they've done it deliberately. So I, I was just like, what, why? So well, I'm just having to... Sorry, just going back a little bit. I just had a quick look for Chiss Ascendancy logo, and their logo seems to be like almost like um, stylized planets. Oh. So it's not. So maybe it's linked to the Chaos Rising, because he's casting a shadow, sick? isn't he? The two Sith coming to get him. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's linked to the protagonists in the book. I was going to say, maybe it's actually linked to Thrawn himself. Possibly. Anyway. Anyway. You were saying, Ali. Timeline, not in there. Why, gents? You, you obviously read the books a lot more than I do. Have you ever... Is, is this a common thing, or is it, or is it something that... Maybe we just got an advanced copy and it's and it's omitted or something, but it's it's not there and it really really confused me as to why because um I, it was the first thing I was like okay I'm quite interested to know when this is and there's just no mention. Yeah, it's the first thing I noticed as well. To be fair, and it jumps I, around in time though. That's that's my that was my conclusion. Um, however, there's a point in the book that we'll get to in a minute that we know what when the timeline is at that point in time yeah exactly so i to your first thing that you just said there is that's exactly what i thought and i thought maybe they've done it to be ambiguous because mm. they can then work a little bit of creative movement in the timeline they, they're not committing it just says it's before thrawn is in the empire yeah, yeah. and and also when you as, as you go through the novel as I said, it, it does jump around a little bit, even though overall the main story progresses and moves forwards. There are these these points where you do see previous events, and at no point does it really tell you how far between the different events. Mm. So again, it it doesn't really give you any indication of how old Thrawn is. So, so, Dave, are you saying this book is the equivalent of the Jedi Council in that it jumps around all over the place all the time and there's no real thrust through the middle, but it gets there eventually. It gets there. I, I would say that it does a better job than we do. <laughs> so just on just on that, actually. So obviously the three of us, um, we've read the book, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be doing the show. Um, but Dave, you finished the book first. Mm-hmm. Then obviously Ali finished it before I did, and I finished it most recently. Um, I did have a question for you initially, Dave, but I was rudely interrupted by Mr. Contrary, uh, and I completely completely forgot what that was. So it will come back to me, but I'm going to jump to Ali because you're... Oh, that's where I was going. Familiarity with Thrawn, that's it. So, Dave, you and I have read 
previous Timothy's Arm books. We've read Thrawn books previously. Obviously, in the past few years, the wider Star Wars community, for want of a better word, have become more familiar with Thrawn through to his introduction in Rebels as well. So there's a bit of a knowledge, a background, as it were, uh, about the characters uh, from that perspective. But Dave, you've read Thrawn books before. Um, how would you compare? I don't know, not necessarily talk about the story straight away. How would you compare this book with some of the other books? Now, we all know the original Thrawn trilogy is held at a very high esteem amongst Star Wars fans, and rightly so. Where would you not necessarily rank this book, but where would you put it? I would, I would put it alongside all of them. I, I get to read a Timothy's on book that I think, oh, or that I've not, for want of a better word, galloped through. I think it took me about three days to read this. Um, and, and that was in between working and, and having a family life. Um, so I, I literally devoured this book um, because it was it was good. Um, and, and no, it was it was just a very, very good book for me. Um, I've got no real criticisms of it. And, and I would say that about um, Timothy Zahn generally with, with the books I've read of his. He is a very, very accomplished storyteller. Um, one thing that I have noticed about his style, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a criticism of him, but it's the fact that within all of the books that, that he's written, so if, if you look at the original trilogy and then you looked the, the the prior to Disney Takeover trilogy, the the the, the very first ones that were done, um, and then you compare them to the new ones, the new trilogy that he'd done prior to this. There's a marked shift in the style and how they're written, and and the the the, the, the approach to the characters, and then. What we've seen again for me is a change of tone and a change of style again, um, which possibly keeps his books fresh. Because um, I've I've read other other um, authors who I really enjoy. You know, like David David Eddings really springs to mind. Now he does fantasy novels. He's dead now, um, but he used to do fantasy novels. Um, very very good. One of your author. friends was he, Dave? He, he was he was fantastic, really good. But I would say that all of his novels and and his his subject move around different. He he had different planets and different settings for his different fantasy novels. But the tone was very David Eddings, and every time you read it, it, it no matter what it was, it was always David Eddings. Um, and I, I and whilst that's good. It does mean that when you read multiple volumes of multiple sets, you find that there's just a very, just all very similar. Whereas one thing that I've noticed with Timothy Zahn is that every set, every trilogy he's done, there's been a refreshing change. Yeah. So in the first part of that, you said you couldn't find fault with that. Yeah. I'm before I jump in. I'm going to ask Mr. Contrary himself because you had a couple of gripes for want of a better word. Yeah, so first of all, I'm going to ask you a question, Alex. 
What took you so long to read it? Uh, two things. One, I got it about a week and a half late <laughs> due to it, it. It got delivered when I wasn't here. I then went to the post office. They didn't have it. I then got the thing to say they've got it. When I turned up to go and get it, the post office is shut because of COVID. The hours are all over the place. So the, the, there's my story of woe. Um, and then the second reason why is because I read really slow. Mm. We did, we, to be fair to him, I would agree with Alex on that. <laughs> what, that he's a slow reader? No, he is a slow <laughs> reader. Because if, if I remember rightly, the last time that we did one of these... Right, um, we, we were having to wait for Alex to finally mm. finish reading. It was, it was the Rise of Skywalker novel. It was the Rise of Skywalker, yes. Yeah. And, and it did, it, that, that novel took you a couple of weeks to read as well. Okay. Yeah. To, be, to be honest, I, was, I wasn't asking for that reason. I, I was more interested to find out if it was the same reason that I had. That I, I really struggled to get into this book. Really, really struggled with it. Um, I, I think that might be because, A, I have transitioned away from reading books to listening to podcasts a lot more in recent years i think that could be something in that but the other thing is i read a lot of um a lot of non-fiction books so the the style of it to be honest i've never or have but not for a long time read a book in the style as, as you were saying earlier to your point dave where it, it jumps in timelines in terms of there is a current story and a theme throughout but it will go back into Fraun's past to look at various things and, and I I didn't enjoy that non-linear approach to that. Yeah. I, I really didn't enjoy that. And, and it, I found that it made it perhaps easier. And to be honest, it was it was a pretty sunny time when we were when we were reading it. So I was reading it outside. Mm. But that gave me the it quite kind of gave me the opportunity to think, I'll just leave it here when it gets to one of the throwback scenes and then I'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. I just I just I, I did not find it a page turner at all until page 295 but we will get to that later i I tell you what it reminded me of now um, the pair of you you both have netflix yeah Mm -hmm. do you see the witcher no i've seen the the witcher i've seen the first two episodes yeah my partner loves it she thinks it's the best thing Fantastic. Really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, gratuitous. Apparently all the girls love it for Henry Cavill being naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there was, hey, there was, there was, there was no reason for, for what they did at times. It, it, would, it definitely earned its 15. Um, but it does, the, 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 the Witcher does the same thing. And if anything, I found it harder, even though I really enjoyed The Witcher, I found it harder to watch that than I did to read it because you didn't know it was jumping around in time because the, the whereas within the novel it was flagged as a reminiscence. Yeah, I mean the pages were bordered differently, so yeah, it, it couldn't have been clearer. I just think in terms of the way that I enjoy reading books, yeah. it it just was quite difficult for me. But as I said, when I got to a certain point, it just got my attention. And I just finished it. Yeah. So the last hundred and hundred odd pages, I just read it in one go. Interesting. So, so um, Alex, what what did you think of it then, as a third person? Alex liked it. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you wanted to answer in the third person. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, no, I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I. It's funny when I read, I have a tendency to read 
a chapter, maybe two chapters, and then I put the book down, and then I come back to it. It's just, it's just the way that. The only other problem that I have is that I'm reading four different books at the same time. Yeah, so I, I was reading this. Um, I'm still reading the second novel in the aftermath trilogy. I'm also reading the Thrawn. I'm finishing Thrawn Alliances, which is an interesting book to read at the same time. Um, and I'm reading a Stephen Lever book, which is nothing to do with Star Wars. So. Can I ask you a question, Alex? It's an yeah. obvious one. It's an obvious one. Dave can't put down Timothy Zahn's Zane books, whereas you're reading three of them at the same time. Two of them at the same time. And then separate from book? I thought you said there were three of them. Well, he's had two Timothy Zahn ones. Two, two Zahn books. The other Star Wars books from Chuck Wendig. Ah, oh, so you just don't like Thrawn. That's what it is. <coughs> well, <laughs> you, see, you see, okay. So I was reading... Um, a, um, Chuck Wendig um, Aftermath Trilogy when I got my hands on Thrawn um, Chaos Rising and I've not gone back to the Chuck Wendig so I need to go back to that actually I, I just moved I've moved on to a completely different author completely different genre completely different area and I'm working my way through his five novels um, and potentially I'll go back to him as no, I think no, I think for me, I'm the same as you. Like, I got the I got the aftermath trilogy books when they came out, and they've yeah. been out for a good four, four five, five years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just pick one up, read a couple of chapters, put it back down again, and come back to it later on. Um, well, I, I've been like that with it. Yeah, I was terrible at school. Read read this book in a month. I'm like, are oh, you kidding me? Um, <laughs> you know, it took me about a year to read of Mice and Men. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, <clears throat> but in answer to your question, though, yes, I really liked it. Um, yeah, it's it wasn't for me. It wasn't necessarily sitting on the edge of my seat excitement, but it was still gripping and reading for me anyway. Because I think Dave, maybe you feel the same. Like where I've previously experienced Thrawn in multiple novels, I'm like, oh, I know this. I know this dude. I know who he is. I've seen him on the TV. I want to know more about him. And one of the things that kind of stood out for me as part of the attraction of the book is that in the previous novels that we've read from Thrawn and CM on TV, he's got this brain that is brilliant. It's intuitive, intelligent, he's smart, predictive, for want of a better word. Um, yet, in, obviously, he's the only Chiss, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the only Chiss we've ever really met in that capacity. Um, yeah. We have other blue-skinned aliens in Star Wars, but none of them are Chiss. No. So, like, to be introduced to more of them makes you think, right, all of these guys are going to be, like, super smart, super switched on. But even though they're a, an army race, if that's a, if that's the right way to describe it, no, military, 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 thank you, military. Well, yeah, military. There's, quite a, there's a huge hierarchy to them as well, isn't it? So they're not necessarily yeah. just yeah. military base. To put a Star Trek reference, they're quite similar to the Klingons, where they have lots of different houses, and yeah. they ha and they never re and they are always all trying to have one ruling house through power, and that way is often the military. Yeah, I was going to say they're a bit like the British. They love their military, and there is a lot of hierarchy within the uh, within, yeah, within no, British that's culture. Fair. That's fair enough too. That's I don't want to turn it into a politics podcast, but anyway. No, please don't. Um, so therefore can, can i can I ask you something else though because i've just yeah. realized it yeah, yeah i've literally just realized it you know how so i you you're, you are invested in thrawn 
from books that came out many years ago, right? Pre-Disney Star Wars. Mm-hmm. All right. In My dark- first interaction with Thrawn is in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And really, I only know him from Rebels. And do you know what one of my big gripes with things like Solo, as much as I enjoyed the film, was that it was a whole era that I was like, I really don't need to know this. I know what he becomes at his best. And I wonder if that's again at play here for me. I, I, was, yes. I was thinking that because I was also thinking the reason that you didn't enjoy as much as Alex and myself did the final season and the closing episodes of yeah. Clone Wars because you knew what would happen. Yeah. You knew that the people survive. You yeah. knew that where they go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the irony in that is that your favourite movie is Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. yeah it's the best one. How does where's that the, work? Where's the irony? You know where Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to end up. You know where Anakin Skywalker's going to end up. You know where the Emperor's going to end up. You know where Yoda's going to end up. You still think it's a brilliant movie? I'll tell you what, Alex, I was young and impressionable at that time in my life. <laughs> now you, he's jaded it's like Dave, when he first went into that cinema and watched Star Wars for the first time. Black and white. It's his favourite. <laughs> but it's, it's his favourite one for that reason. I'll get you to that. Before. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I think, yeah, Dave, maybe, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there. I think it's that wanting to know more about something that you don't know about but I think yeah. to your point earlier is you already know what's going to happen for him so there's no it's, but I don't have, it's, it's the destination the rather than the journey somewhere. where is he but, but to, to go into that I, mean, I appreciate what you're saying that your first impression of Thrawn was the Rebels TV show yeah so I don't really? have any backstory or anything to him yeah. So for me as a character, it would be a bit like, I don't know, if you've got the backstory of Moff Tarkin, it might be kind of interesting, but I, I wouldn't be the if novel he was on a planet. Fantastic. I was just about to say the novel of the Tarkin novel is brilliant. It is. See, it I, is can, I can get less about reading that. James Asino smashed that out of the park. Great book. It is. It is fantastic. fantastic. Is it canon? Is it oh. canon or a legend? It's legendary, if that helps. Um, yeah. I'm just looking in the. No, it's not. It's no longer. Oh no, it is canon. Yes, it is. It's canon. It's a recent it one. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. Recent. Yeah, yeah. It it's is set... really, really good. Yeah, it's but... set just before Solo. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so so to to carry on with, with where I was going with that, your your first impression of Thrawn was the Rebels TV show, but for me. I always felt that Thrawn was just underexploited and he'd had his teeth pulled. He, he, oh. he, he was not the Thrawn that we'd seen in the novels. And I think because he couldn't be as good as he is in the books, because when, when you read it, even in the original trilogy of, of Thrawn, and then when you then moved into the new trilogies of Thrawn, He's almost a layer above other people. I, so I, I have a question for you on that then, Dave. Um, you said, see, I can see the the one thing I can see that's linear is the character in Rebels and the one I read in this book. Mm. You know, the we haven't really got into the book yet, but his appreciation of art and the way that yeah. he problem yeah. solves through that. He's the same character as I see in Rebels. What you said earlier was, was that that you felt a disconnect in the writing between the the two 
the, the different from books. The Do you think it's because the character has changed because of Rebels and now it's that? No, 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 no. Um, okay, so what, what I meant by that was when we when we are first introduced to Thrawn in Thrawn, just just the novel Thrawn, what we what we see, and I think I likened it at the time. So you, you've seen the the TV show um, with Benedict Cumberbatch for Sherlock, and that was how Thrawn was written. So he was his brain was almost working at a slightly different pace from itself. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of interesting, though, because obviously the, the actor who plays Thrawn is in that Sherlock as yeah. the big bad. Are you talking about him as a Benedict Cumberpatch or yes. as the master villain who no. was even beyond with his mind palace? No, so I no, always no. the association between those two characters. You see, you see I, I see it as Benedict Cumberbatch because... Interesting. Okay, so so when when you... If you, if you remember any of the episodes of, of Sherlock, there were moments where the camera would almost freeze and you would see almost like um, words would appear on the screen. And it was, it it was, it was, it was Sherlock's thoughts. It was like, the clock says this, there's mud on here. That's slightly scuffed. And it was almost like when you read the original Thrawn novel, exactly the same thing was happening because you would be reading the novel. And then, and all of a sudden you'd have this little excerpt. That would be, yeah, that would be Thrawn's internal thinking, yeah. where he was seeing things before other people. I can. And it was almost like it was quite often he could notice that that someone was becoming agitated. He could he could read the skin temperature mm-hmm. of the person. He could tell that they that their breathing had changed, and so that allowed him to interpret when they were going to do something. Right. So it's how, how we got the upper hand, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting to me. You see, because I I don't know that until you've just told me that, and actually, you almost think, well, if that had been in that book, and yeah. I've seen some of that, it, it may have improved it. Well, that's that's what I mean when I say that each each set of books, because he didn't do that in the original books. Correct. It was it was a very different style of writing, but then it was twenty years ago, and potentially Timothy Zahn's writing style has evolved over twenty years. Yeah. Um. So so he'd not done that, but when he positioned Thrawn in the 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 new more recent introduction trilogy to the character, he positioned Thrawn as you'd said, almost as though he was a layer above other people around him, or it might have been Alex who said that. And and it was interesting to then watch to then read this novel and to realise that he's an exception even with his own people. Right. Because yeah, that I was one that, of the I questions think. I also had. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's funny for me because like when to your point, Dave, when you read some of those, the first trilogy, you see the way that the way that he kind of interacts with with other people who are not chiss. So again, yeah. I don't know if there's that sixth sense to for want of a better word that he can read other species and we kind of get an example of that in the book and we'll get to the story in just a minute but yeah i think there are there are elements of that but where i was kind of going with that is back to the comment you made early around uh, your introduction of, with him is in rebels yeah and i think the reason why i, I can totally agree with dave and the, the disconnect for want of a better word is that in rebels that's a step back before rebels and we've yeah, but he doesn't always lose Alex because, you know, obviously in Rebels, he does win sometimes. And like the way it ends, 
I don't regard it as particularly losing, do you? Well, yeah, he does because, well, it's a, it's a win here, it's a win there, it's uh, getting outsmired by Ezra and then all of a sudden he's a hero in the next yeah. episode. So, kind of does, kind of doesn't. But then, you know, if he does lose, all the, if he wins all the time, then it's a ridiculously short TV show. So, Dave, you then really see a different form that I do because you've read the previous books. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's very, very different. And as Ali, uh, Alex just said, there, there is victories, but they're always like little victories. Um, and one thing that we'd seen with, with Thrawn in the books is that because of his ability to anticipate people and his ability to read people, milita- militarily at least, he's, he's not particularly um, politically astute, but militarily, he's able to anticipate someone's reaction if he does something. Um, yeah, because so, so I struggle with that in the book, because in the book it makes it very clear that because of a certain incident that happened that politically he was very bad, but militarily an exception. So that that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And his, his position with the Emperor had come about exactly because of that. The Emperor had seen within Thrawn his ability to read a, a, a situation and so draw a conclusion and then make the right decision. And so d- despite... We, we've seen from other things to do with the Emperor and, and, and the Empire that politics was still a major thing within the way that the, the empire worked, despite the emperor wanting to come in and, and remove the bureaucracy of the Republic, there was still politics. There was still the politics there. But I think the emperor had seen something different in the Chiss, or particularly in, in Thrawn, that wasn't there within other people. He wasn't manipulating people for personal gain and for politics. He saw problems and, and attempted to fix them. Um, and, and it was very much a more military approach to how things worked. And that and that's how we saw him in the other novels. That's also how we saw him in the previous trilogy, the older trilogy. Um, he, he was a military genius. It didn't necessarily mean he was a, a political genius. He, he almost had a trouble reading people's self-motivation for political gain. He didn't understand that naivety to a certain extent yes yes that someone would put political mm. personal political gain ahead of what's good when you compare him to a another high-ranking member of the empire grand moff tarkin who would completely manipulate and abuse the situation for his own benefit look at the death star yeah yeah well he chose that over um Thrawn's project. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 it was over the TIE fighters, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 But, it, it, but I was going to say, that, that was almost what... I, I think possibly why we saw him differently in Rebels to the way that we see him in, in the novels is that despite him working for the Empire in that in the first trilogy, so let, let's forget about the the um, 
the pre-Disney ones. So looking at the current canon novels, Thrawn was the was the hero. And you've seen that again in these new novels. Whereas within Rebels, he's not the hero. He is the villain. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah, well, okay, that's the, interesting. I suppose the story's told from a different point of view, isn't it? From a certain point of view. Where in the Thrawn books, where he's the protagonist, he... He's the emphasis is the vocal focal vocal focal point. I can't bloody speak tonight. Um, and therefore, it's about how things are done in the Empire. Um, whereas, obviously, from a rebel's perspective, it's very much tinted propaganda, mm. maybe, uh, to be the heroes are the rebellion, the rebellion of all the rebels, as it were. So it's it's that slant stroke take on the particular storyline. Talking of storyline. Should we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Um, I, I so, think of this as an origin story for Thrawn. Yes. Yeah, yes. I totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it begins, doesn't it, really, with finding out about the Chiss as a race, who they are, where they come from. And, yeah. I mean, one of our criticisms of recent Star Wars films has been that they've not been expanding universes or creating anything new, really, at all. Um, so I, I would say that that is a very welcome and positive um, difference for me than, than other recent Star Wars material. So this this was obviously adding to a, I, I hope it is, I don't know, because it might not be, but it's certainly a, a piece of space I didn't know about previously or had no idea about different warring factions. I think the thing that stood out for me... Um... Is it, is it the extension of that? You know, you're one, two, three, four, five pages in, and automatically, automatically, straight away, you are given this page which basically explains the key people in the book, the ruling families, the ranks, and then the hierarchy, which again, it, it doesn't need another book to establish that. It has it on the page, and it becomes your reference point. It, it kind of reminds me in a different way. The Karen Travis novels, when she wrote about the Mandos, she had a Mando dictionary that was a translation of the words that they used. And it became a bit of a reference point. And I found that this book, within the first couple of chapters anyway, when you get familiar with the characters, really useful. But then we also find out that Thrawn is an adopted member of that particular family, which again is quite an interesting topic of uh, of storytelling the way that this interpretation of where is it it's got you've got blood relative cousin ranking distant trial born and merit adoptive you know so you've got these five rankings within a particular family and we find out that thrawn is basically a merit adoptive so he's not a member of the myth and i'm not even going to attempt to say his full name not even close um I, I would say I really liked that, mm. and I liked the way it was. It was such an alien way. Obviously, they're alien, but it was such an alien way of arranging families and names. And the fact that just because you're born into a family doesn't mean that you stay within that family. And 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 even if you're doing well within a family another family could come along and attempt to try and poach you to join their family because you would bring status to them. Mm. And I, I really like that as an idea. It's a very different concept to how, how families are. 
it's more like a political party at that level, isn't it? Rather than, you know, you when you join a, I don't know, Conservative or Labour, you're not born into it. It's it's the choice that you make, and you're at any point if if policies change. This is this is a politics podcast, otherwise can. But when policies change, if you don't agree with them, you can go to a different party, and obviously yeah. they'll try and pick and choose some of the best candidates, as it were. Whereas obviously from a family perspective, there's the blood relative that means that they're born into it, and and that's about it. Yeah, so, so it's almost like, yeah, I mean, if you went into into that, for, for people who understand British politics, it would almost be a case of Tory party, Boris, Conservatives. And then if, if he then moved to um, the Liberal Democrats, he would become Liberal, Boris, Democrats. It was, it's almost like that. It was very... Yeah, yeah. Or, or he could be Brexit party take over Conservative Party <laughs> or leave campaign and take over party. They did, didn't they? I believe they did, yes. Oh, let's not go down that route, shall we? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, you're the, I mean, like, you know, the way that their name then changes, because I must admit, as, I, as I'm reading bits and pieces of this, um, I did, I, initially, I didn't put the pieces together where their names changed. I was like, what? Who, no, who's no, this? Because one of the characters' names changes partway through the book, and I didn't realise it was the same person. Changes completely? Yes. I, I did see that one coming. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort of... I'll get you. As, as it got closer to it happening... Because well, she was the only... You're talking about the person who's like the main admiral who's always yes. been close to Thrawn, whose name yes. escapes my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it, the only reason was because it was the only one who was ever close to him. She was. She was. Um, and I know I agree. Romantically, perhaps? Well, yes. A level of intimacy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, drunk, not... There's, there's her and the Skywalker, isn't there? Or the ex-Skywalker. So, let's talk about that, if we may. We Sky, may. Skywalker. So, in Alliances... Um, which is obviously the second novel of the first trilogy in the new world order. <laughs> um, and he takes a seat back because he's not read it. But in in that book is where we first see Thrawn's group meeting with um, Anakin Skywalker. And obviously the book is around him working with Darth Vader. And that particular book is back and forth between what happens in the past, in the future, with the two of them on Black Spire Outpost on Batu. That's another reason why I really like that book because of the whole Galaxy's Edge connection. But anyway, um, and in there, we see Thrawn's reaction to the phrase Skywalker. And obviously, Anakin's surname is Skywalker. So in that book, we become familiar with that concept. Yet in this book, it kind of explores it a bit further, where a Skywalker is a child who is intuitive. I don't want to say with a false, because that's not really been alluded to. But is intuitive with... Well, I don't. Is it? It's not mentioned, is it? It's just, they are just skilled well, pilots. I, I think it is because the, the other navigators see the Great Plane, which which to me meant that they had some connection, but very limited to the Force to be able to see something. Whereas the Skywalkers went beyond that because they were a secret weapon that the Chiss didn't want anyone to know about. And yeah, for me, I I picked up on. I, I, it, it's more a case of I think the Chiss. Yeah. Didn't necessarily because as a species they don't seem to be force sensitive. No. So 
for for me, I think they don't they don't necessarily know what the force is. Yeah. So they have certain people who yeah. are born with a very very specific ability, but then disappears. So that's so that's why I kind of agree with Alex as well because it just drops out. So yeah. it would seem very odd that they don't know. Like, is there? But then again, younglings are taken. You know, maybe they are taken as younglings because they lose the force at fourteen if they don't know how to use it and enhance it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. And because in the book it doesn't well, say Luke. it's a force. Yeah, well, but they don't count because don't forget, Ray can get all the powers from a clone daddy. <laughs> No, but that you've got Luke. Luke. Luke wasn't being trained until he was about 19. Yeah, but he's a Skywalker. It's different. Midi-chlorians, Dave. Come on. It's in his blood. It's in his blood. Yeah. But before we turn this into a prequel, a sequel trilogy conversation. Come um, on! I think the thing for me is that, that that in itself is an interesting way that they've taken the story because these Skywalkers are talented pilots, for want of a better word, that navigate the hyperspace lanes effectively. And they do it in such a way that there's it is a false ability, but obviously it's not said that it is. And for me, I found that quite interesting because in I remember when when the prequel trilogy came out and this that and the other, they were saying that Skywalker is a surname in the known galaxy of it's just a common surname, right? Um, and it kind of makes me think of how exactly did that become a common name? Is it through the understanding of what a Skywalker is in an old-fashioned world, in the old-fashioned world? So, like people who, in the old days, only had a first name and they can make up their own surname. Generally, made it up based on their trade. You know, so you've got a bit like Ray, a bit like Ray did. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it on topic. Um, so they pick their surname based on their trade. You know, so you know, if somebody was a Skywalker. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I found it quite interesting, and I'm going to stop talking next. I'm no, no, it's really interesting, Alex. It is really interesting because to, what you're saying is right because it it connects. Is is it out? Is is it called the outer? Where where are they based? The Chiss ascendancy in the it's outer. The it's the unknown region. It's unknown yeah. region. So so it's interesting because of what we've learned through other things such as rebels that animals can just be force sensitive like the wolves on lawful day and then you've got <laughs> and the flying whales yeah exactly so it is kind of interesting that the force does appear to lots of different people all over the galaxy but but only a limited people have learned how to harness it and so like like you said dave if they knew how to harness what they had they'd be unstoppable but, but it's really interesting that to realize that they have to use their skywalkers because their technology is not as advanced as what we're used to in the empire or in the republic to well, go through well, these like it's, it's well the way that that's positioned it's more a case of within the known regions so within the the what was the Republic and then became the Empire. The idea is that there are hyperlanes that have been established. And it's never really explained how these hyperlanes have been established. But it was almost that they predate the Republic themselves. They're thousands of years old, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And they've been established by a a species that's long gone and is no longer part of the the galactic community. And these hyperlanes were methods of of quick um, travel, transit between star systems. So the idea that 
outside of the the, the core worlds and and the out and when you get out as far as the outer rim and then beyond it, these hyperlanes don't exist. And so the different species that live um, beyond um, beyond the, the 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 republic and then the empire, they've almost had to navigate much much less efficiently um and and that's why the various you, you've got these the navigator guilds that have been established yeah have you but i did i i did think though okay so at the beginning of the book they encounter a refugee ship escaping from somewhere and there is this idea that some ship that they can't identify is around. And then I kind of thought at that point, I thought, oh, are we are we actually going to see like early empire here? Is that the advanced mm-hmm. technology? Because I, I I may have read it differently too, but I, I always was of the opinion that in their area, the Chiss had the ultimate uh, military strategies, the hardware better than everyone else. But if it had come up against, uh, so it wouldn't be, the empire at that time would it? It would be the republic. Um, I, I don't think they had done it, if they had come up, but they mentioned the Sith and the Jedi, and they say the war's going on in the book, so they, they know of them and they know it's happening. And that yeah, was when I realized yeah. that that it wasn't that. But I thought that was really interesting because until that point, I sort of assumed the Chiss was standoff from that and hadn't even encountered them. But I hadn't read the Anakin book, so I didn't know that. So. <laughs> I, I think it was, I think it was just more a case of it was a a, a self-contained empire, and I, I think the the it's explained within the book that the Chists themselves have almost got a very insular attitude. Mm. So long as someone doesn't interfere with them or seek to damage them, then they won't seek to interfere or damage an outside party. Yeah, they definitely say that, but but they're also not. Um, they're prepared to advance their interests if necessary as well. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's uh, it's interesting because then obviously the the way the story evolves is around an incident, and then Thrawn trying to use his military tactical advantages where he could to effectively draw that out bad, for want of a better phrase. Um, who we become known that the bad guy is name who's completely forgotten. So I'm going to have to quickly reference it. It's Yiv, isn't it? It's general Yiv, the benevolent or not. Could you get, could you get a more star Wars name? <laughs> I think that's a pretty cool star Wars name. Yeah, you know, I agree. It's gen- a great name. General Yiv, the benevolent, not general Yiv, the great, not general Yiv, the awesome, the benevolent it's quite it's quite a self-proclaimed title isn't it let's be honest um who we then find out comes completely unstuck no but um i think the the other interesting thing for me around the story is there's the element of a trial as well in there um and how that how that kind of takes place and kind of going back to the equivalent of a, a Jedi trial, you know, the, the, the Padawans go on trials to become Jedi masters the same way that in the book, we know that there is a trial and all of a sudden, I can't remember the person who does the trial. 
than the Hanane. It's the it's the original Skywalker, isn't it? Who who becomes the the mother of the yeah. Skywalker, who's That's... trying to find out her place in her house. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it was her, wasn't it? Who was put in there as a bit of a plant um, by one of the families to keep an eye on Thrawn to see what he's doing. So there's so many different the head of the family. That's the thing. There's so many different stories that are interlinking in this that are around Thrawn himself, establishing that world, understanding relationship that the Skywalker has with the mother. Interesting turn of phrase there, but anyway. Um, and mm. how the mother the mother was obviously a previous Skywalker, so can relate to the kid far greater than anyone else can. So it's, it's interesting the way that they're picking out certain storylines, really interconnecting them. And I think that one of the disadvantages of reading it to be fair as slow as i did is is trying to keep a track of that but i think in the way that you read it dave it might have been a bit easier to have kept track because it's a consistent you you kind of know where you're going whereas if i'm picking up and we're done again but that's that that's by the by but having so many i don't know if i agree with you alex because i've got to be honest i'm finding it much more interesting to discuss it than i did reading it All those, those, yeah, honestly, all those layers that we're talking about, and I'm like, yeah, that is kind of interesting. But when I was reading it, I was like, oh, come on, just get to the end of this chapter. (laughs) All right, let let me ask you this then: Would you prefer it to be in a movie? I would prefer it to have been the sequel trilogy. Yes. (laughs) You see, okay, (laughs) without going down that little rabbit hole. I it's a black, that's think, a black hole, mate, not a rabbit hole. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually think that this works better as a book than it would have done as a movie because of the way it moves around and because, in a way, if... if, if you we not think, were, though, Dave, it's a lot more Star Wars, Star Trek than Wars. Well, I was, I was going to say, it feels more Star Trek-y. It's fair. more sci-fi than fantasy. It yeah. is. It is, yes. Um, because the force really doesn't play a part in this. No. And the the only mystical thing is this ability that these Skywalkers have. Other than that, it's hard science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a sci-fi book. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, okay. When I say I don't think it'd work as a, I think I don't think it'd work as a as a Star Wars movie. That's possibly the way I want to phrase that. Yeah, I get oh, that. I see what you mean. Yeah, I get okay. that. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, because it, the one thing that Star Wars movies have is the pace and the, the suspend your disbelief. Whereas one thing that is done in this book very well is the entire world building from the ground up. By the end of this book, you understand very comprehensively how the Chiss Empire works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if yeah, I completely agree with that. It that's a really interesting uh, way to look uh, at it. it, it it's almost. I, I personally would love to see this comic. Sorry. Yeah, I, I would love to see this as a comic book. Yeah. yeah. You'll so, see it. As, you'll see it as a Disney short, Forces of Destiny, Alex, and they all do kind of weird stuff that doesn't comply with the book. If this was done in the same, if this was done in the same manner as Rebels. That'd be or dare good. I say it, or Clone Wars, whatever, I would I would be all up for that. 
um yeah. but because obviously the first thrawn book that timothy's arm did in, in the new trilogy was made in, was converted to a comic book as well and the comic book is a great read by the way um and it really does visualize things do you know what though, well. i'm actually gonna agree with dave who i think is now disagreeing i don't think it would work as that because of the pace like it is quite slow it's it is it, it's, I, it's slow but the way that the action works it's very thought out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more of a methodical... I would say, it, as books go, I would say it's possibly more mature than a lot of other Star Wars novels. Right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, I mean, having read all of three Star Wars novels, I'd agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think... So that, I think... That's not to do a disservice other novels and not do a disservice to the other authors it's just a very different way of writing i it's interesting because when you think of the first three that were done it's very much in the universe in 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 the time frame that we know and we're familiar we know that there's the empire we know there's anakin skywalker we know there's Darth vader blah 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 so it becomes almost too familiar whereas this is a brand new to your earlier point world building establishing not just one person but a race of people yeah dare i say it and i don't want to get shot down for saying it would be like doing a yoda book when he was a 30 year old or maybe not 30 but you know 130 (laughs) Um, because it's 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 establishing something that the fans have been not necessarily asking for but intrigued about you know, yeah. Dave, when we were at Star Wars Celebration, they did a trailer for Rebels and they showed Thrawn's face with the red eyes and the blue screen, the blue, his blue face appeared on the screen and everyone in the cinema went bananas. Yeah. Because everybody knew the moment they saw the blue skin with the red eyes, everyone knew who that was. Yeah. So when you get a character that's got that much love, if that's yeah. the right word, appreciation, love, value, love. Yeah. it's going to be a success. Yes, I, but that still takes me back to the fact that I I saw Thrawn in Rebels as a little bit toothless and weak. Yeah. So so I sent you guys an article before we we did this with someone having an opinion, and and to go back on the world building point that we, we were talking about and the, and the pacing of it, um, it says some readers may say the novel is too focused on world building to the detriment of the story but they didn't come away with that. I think that that, that might be the pacing issue that, that I was discussing, that it's so focused on building that world that it the story doesn't go as quickly as I'd like to it to, you know, further it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could... but, but, but for a lot of people, that's a really good thing. So, I, so you know, that that's not necessarily a... I don't want to use the word criticism, but but it's it's an observation. I... I... I, I, I've, I'm I you joke about my age, but I, I have been reading. Well, Master like, Yoda's younger than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have been reading, thank you, um, science fiction, fantasy novels for about 30. Well, okay, I've, I got my very first Star Wars novel, Went to the Mind's Eye, when I was about eight. Um, and that's probably the first 
sci-fi book I've ever read. But I, I grew up going through my early teens with the likes of Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and then progressing into fantasy with Tolkien and, and what have you. So I would I would say novels that were written maybe 30 years ago are very different to fantasy and science fiction novels that are written today. And I would say a large part, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, I, I think a large part of it is because of movies and because of TV. When when you when someone's writing less any type of generic fantasy or generic sci-fi now, they, there isn't a requirement for them to go into the detail of what a ship's corridor would look like or what a jungle would look like because you've seen it, you understand it. It's almost a case of they set they most novels now set a skeleton of the the the, the environment. And your mind fills in all the blanks because you're familiar with the concept of what a ship looks like. You're familiar with the concept of what a mountaintop is. So the novels don't need to go into the same type of detail, which means that many novels, many fantasy and science fiction novels today are much faster paced than I would say they were when I used to read them. Or And, and, and the novels I was reading 30 years ago have probably been written for the 40, 30, 40 years prior to that, because that was when Asimov was writing, that was when Robert Heinlein was writing. They were writing from, from probably from the 50s through to the 70s. I started reading in the 80s, but I was reading those novels as well as what were current at the time. And I, I would liken this novel and, and the way that this has been written a little bit more to the way that those novels were written 30 years ago. There was much more detail which which i wouldn't say made it more ponderous but made the story slower because he was providing so much minute detail so that you fully understood what the chis ascendancy was like do we think that some of the problems with a modern day novel is that a lot of books you can see they're written to be made into a movie right so the pacing, the content, the way it's written is very much maybe with the future mindset of, oh, I'm going to write a book. You know, in case it gets made into a movie, I can make a few quid out of it. Whereas this book, for its well-written content, it would never. It's, this is never going to get made into a movie. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I don't even know if I'd agree with that to some extent, because when you when you read. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the the the, the um the wheel uh, the Game of Thrones. George, George oh, Fire and Ice. Yes, yeah. Now, personally, I did enjoy the novels. I read the novels before the TV shows came out. Um, but one thing that he did do was establish an entire world and a, a situation. I would say that there were probably better series of books that could have been made into a TV show, such as um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, for instance. So, so there were better things they could have chosen, but some of those some of those really good blockbuster novels go into that world building, go into building up that, that environment. The, the set I'm reading at the moment is by an author called Brent Weeks, 
He's a relatively modern author. Um, he's probably about 40-ish. Yeah. So so he's he's a current he's a modern author, but he's 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 the the pentology I'm reading is about eight hundred five between five and eight hundred pages per novel, and he goes into so much detail, but it's still a fast paced book. <laughs> and there's ten of them. No pentology, five of them. Oh, five. Yeah, Robert Jordan was I think the Wheel of Time was thirteen fourteen volumes, all about seven eight hundred pages. I, I do think, though, Dave, it is very, very hard for any of those films to trans, or sorry, books to translate to a product that people really engage or want to go and see. I mean, look at Mortal Engines, for example, or his Dark Materials as films. Yeah. You know, they got stuck at the first first hurdle because it just didn't find an audience. Yeah. So I, I actually, I actually want to give you more credit than you're giving yourself. I, I to Alex's point, I, I kind of agree. I actually. Do you know, on reflection, I think if I'd gone in with the mindset that I was reading a world building book that was different for the reason and purpose of building that out, I don't think I'd have found the pacing as much as the problem I did. So I'm always backtracking on myself because you guys have won me over with that argument. And, and I really like that. So just with that in mind, then we know that this is the first book of a trilogy. Now, we kind of got brought into a point of time which let's talk about it now because we're you know getting to the crunch of this we know that anakin skywalker pops up massive spoiler if you haven't read it tough page 296 <laughs> page 296 this is when it got good this is when it got good for ali because this is where we know that thrawn turned in the existing timeline again i know we're not talking about time travel or whatever but you guys know what i mean so we know that this is a, a new thing so therefore where do we think books two and three are going to go now i don't think in, you know guys correct me if i'm wrong i don't think anything has been published in a lot of detail of what's coming as in where the story's going but ultimately if we know that anakin is cropping up in this book and we know that he joins the empire I'm just about to draw that into looking at the... Um, Probably about 10, 10 years, no, six years he, later, maybe. So he, the, the Thrawn book is set just after Solo. And we're going to have to assume, dare I say it, that this book is set in between the Clone Wars. Now, going back to your first comment, Ali, nothing in the timeline. So we're going to have to guess. The Clone Wars is going on. We know that because they, they um, borrow one of the uh, shield generators. Yeah. So we know that this two following books from this will take us from there to where the next book is what are we thinking from an expectation point of view guys and ali more to the point are you going to read it knowing that yeah. you found the f yeah yeah, yeah? cool because right. like i said i i raced through the last hundred pages i just had to look it up for the name jixtus or you know there, there's some big bad out there who was yes. who was controlling it all and that that kind of i find that really really interesting particularly as there's obviously before the rise of Skywalker, it was long rumoured that there was some big force-wielding big bad out there that even scared the Emperor. And in some of the books before, I think it was mentioned that the Emperor sent something out there. Well, and I was like, oh, is this yeah. is this this Jixtus? Is that what we're going to yeah. find out here? Well, that, that, that was before it became non-canon, if it was ever canon in the first place, and Alex and myself can debate that ad finitum elsewhere. Um, the, the novels that were written previously you had the Yuuzhan Vong, and that's, 
the idea was that was what the emperor was aware of beyond the the, the limits of the empire, and and the argument was that he was building the the Death Star not really to subjugate his own people, but to provide that future protection from the Yuuzhan Vong. And obviously, the Yuuzhan Vong being um, what's the word I'm looking for? Shielded? No, that's not the right word. Um, Immune to the force, I think yeah. is the right way to put it. It was create a shadow of the force. Vong. Say that again. This Jixter's person, obviously they're now borrowing from old EU stuff. <sighs> Who knows? That would be interesting. Yeah, but I, well, I was going to say, going into what we, we saw of the use and Vong, they were a very different type mm. of, of alien and organism. Now, again, moving into a different era of fantasy and science fiction there's there's a tabletop war, war game called warhammer 40,000 and anybody who's ever played that or seen that there's an alien race in that called these tyrannids and, and effectively what they do is they invade planets and almost like completely transform all the biomatter on that planet to become usable biomatter that they can then use to, re- to create more of themselves. And the use on Vong almost follow that principle. Of, of it's, like, it's like a terra firma principle, isn't it? Except it's not the planet, it's the people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're the Borg. It, well, yeah, but without the technology, everything is organic. Um so then are we thinking that this the end of the book who obviously knows the big bad he's he's obviously going to be the protagonist from a yeah. bad point of view yeah. um in the second book and i think that's out next year <laughs> i was about to say that i need to backtrack on myself in a way because whilst it is incredibly exciting Fron must defeat him to end up where he does in rebels well, well no no because <laughs> because i from what i remember from that first trilogy one of the reasons he infiltrate because he does infiltrate the empire. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't come to the empire proclaiming what he is and who he is and what his capabilities are. He gets found. He, yeah, and and he positions himself as almost a refugee of assistance. That that's that's your questions. There are where I think the third novel is going to go. Something's going to happen. This is what I think anyway. And, you know, let's listen to this in a couple of years once it's out. But we're going to have the third book is going to set up his, to Dave's point, obviously the lead up to the first book. Now, yeah. in that, we know that he was found. I can't remember the name of the planet, um, but effectively gets a, adopted by the Empire. Um, so, therefore, there's the lead up to that. He gets placed there by the Chiss. So, yes. I think something happens. The Empire get involved or, or whatever, they realize that there is something bigger and badder out there outside of the unknown regions that can influence the chaos. <laughs> um, therefore, it's leading up to him being placed on this planet, seems to get found by the Empire. We're going to get there. Yeah. What happens between then and now? God knows. Yeah. But something I, must happen to the Chist to make them do that. And I'm looking well, forward to finding yeah. out what that is. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's positioned by the Chist there because. They, they are looking at the, the Empire at the time as a potential ally to defend against whatever this big bad is or a source of technology or assistance to, to battle this, this yeah. big bad, whoever this big bad is. 
Yeah, that's the, well, I always thought of it as being a threat to their way of life, but yeah. that, that kind of makes sense. If this Jixtus guy causes havoc, dare I say, Empire Strikes Back, where the bad guys get a win at the end of that book, the third book then becomes a redemption, etc. Um, so that's an interesting way of taking it. I didn't think about it like that. I've got to tell you, hearing you guys talk about this, and it's not too often that we veer into the possibilities of what might happen in the future. You know, we did a little bit with Rise of Skywalker, but not too much. These are original opinions from you guys. This this is really fascinating to me and actually really improves the quality of this first book for me because the way that it's, it's creating something that could potentially lead... I mean, God, I hate redconning as much as you know, but the idea that the Death Star was meant for something else that's really interesting to me and i can see how that falls into place from what i've just read and that would make sense with regard to why they didn't pick thrawn's um tie fighter like we spoke earlier about but then that that would almost mean that thrawn was on the wrong side of, of promoting the wrong technology to fight wherever this big bad is and it, and it depends i might possibly we might be looking at the next novel then becomes what the next stage that puts them into a position where the chist think they need assistance. Considering the way that these novels seem to jump around in time a little bit, you could have volume two might follow straight after volume one, but then volume three might actually appear after, after Throne has been in the Emperor, uh, in the Empire. It might be him coming back to his people. I'm reporting back to his... Yeah. With, with the the solution to their challenge well that's yeah because that's what he does in this book yeah he, he that's his whole role isn't it to find out what the enemy is and what the solution is without involving the greater chis ascendancy yeah and and that is almost what's what's the original we keep saying the original the previous throne trilogy there was that undercurrent to that in the first novel that he was positioned into the empire to obtain intelligence, to obtain something which would give his own people a leg up. It's funny, you saying that comment just a minute ago about the Thrawn backing the wrong thing. He went with his TIE fighters, Tarkin had the Death Star. That is a prime example again of him not reading the room. Yes. Politically speaking. We know... The guy, from a military perspective, it probably makes more sense to have an amazing TIE fighter fleet because in his mind, it's space battles, it's available on the ground, getting things done, which is obviously what he's very good at. But ultimately, Tarkin's thinking, hold on, I want something bigger than this. And therefore, if the reasoning behind it is ultimately this external big bad, Thrawn's gone in there very small, small fish. Tarkin went in there big fish. And well, ultimately, we know who won. But again, it just shows another string to the bow that's missing for Thrawn in understanding the political point of view where Tarkin's gone in there and just smashed it. Yes, but also it potentially undermines or, or potentially implies that Thrawn was on the right track because ultimately the Death Star was its own greatest failing. It wasn't capable of defending against small fighters. Exactly. But does that then show from a military perspective, he got it? Right. But but, But in real world examples, that's the case for all of us, isn't it? And why they say 
actually for any nation in the world there's really not much point in having a nuclear deterrent or own death star because the one who has the most the biggest one america if they actually decide to launch it all at once at you it was pointless having it whereas if you were actually going to fight wars it's much better to not have that but have a conventional force much better have the hardware because that 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 is an argument that's had quite a lot in politics but, but, that, but that's that's when you're all based upon one planet because you've got mutually assured destruction at that point. Whereas if you was on different planets, then you would need something to get. But that. that but you could literally just turn the death. But but the threat of the Death Star turning up, blowing up your planet, is a lot more than a hundred Tie Fighters descending on you. Well, I suppose we. But we have moved to that model when you look. That's at, what I'm saying. But no, no, sorry. The, the the Death Star. You have moved to the Death Star models. Yeah. Because nations have fleets yeah. of big ships. Well, that carry big four, guns. Five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Britain doesn't. We used to have. We used to have this idea of of a navy. Um. But but that's that's almost like the the way that you you reflect your local your presence locally. You sail a great big battleship up someone's river estuary and you say you either do what you're told or we'll shell your city. Yeah. <laughs> and that used to be the British way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Nearly said something then. Um, yes. Back to Star Wars though, lads. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what I meant is in the real world, we, we do tend to gravitate toward the big ship. Yeah, exactly. Rather than a fleet of small ships. That's why. That's that, yeah, exactly. So, conscious we have been nattering for. I'm gonna Don't have to work. Do you know how long? You I'm gonna have to work it out. We've been nattering for some minutes. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna ask you guys for two things. Yeah. One is the usual final thoughts. Before Are we, we gonna get talk a little bit more Star Wars before then. <laughs> Well, maybe, I was going to say maybe we should bit. say what 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 do you want to talk about? That's a little bit more Star Wars. Then. The Mandalorian's out next week. I just want to talk a little bit about the Mandalorian and just say to you guys, we've been pretty rubbish at doing podcasts, right? Between between the three of us, well, people have been asking for it on Twitter. They're like, "Where so, you going?" So, so between the three of us, right? We've we've been a bit rubbish. Yeah, do, do we agree with that? You know, right. we're all friends. Yeah. Anyone who's listening here, they're in the Jedi Council family. We've been a bit rubbish. Guys, how do you feel? Because I think the Mandalorian's pretty key, and I could like this or love it. There's a chance I'm going to hate it, which <laughs> I think will be interesting. But do you think we should commit to doing a little bit more around the Mandalorian? We didn't do it last time because we didn't have Disney Plus in the UK last year, but we do now. What do you think, guys? I'm down with that. I'll do it. Yeah? yeah. Shall we commit here and now? Not saying when, but of the week of release, <laughs> the Jedi Council will have something out every single week during the Mandalorian to let you know what we think about it. And I'm assuming that does include Twitter. Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, definitely podcasts. Yeah, no, I don't. I totally agree with that. You know, the fact that maybe not, maybe we can make it work because Disney Plus now has the watch along functionality that you can watch it with friends, right? I don't have so, that yet. It, I, I think it was, you got rid. 
it got released today, I think. Uh, oh, okay. So that's tomorrow, yeah. So that functionality has only just come out. So you can watch along with other people. You basically link your stream. That's brilliant. So, so six of you, I think it's up to six. The rule of six is clearly a thing. You know you what? You know all at the same time. You, sorry to interrupt. You know why they've done this? Because we did watch along with the Jedi Council and they saw how fantastic it was. Would we use the word fantastic? I'm pretty sure I got the camera angle completely wrong. Well, for one of them, I, you know, you're a little bit close to the camera, <laughs> man. I'm not entirely sure that it kind of worked. But, however, yeah, I think there's a few things that we can definitely commit to doing is, is yeah. obviously a little bit more from a podcast perspective. Might even chuck a couple of them on YouTube just for a laugh, um, as well as obviously maybe doing the odd watch along internally as a team. We obviously can't invite others to watch, but we will go do what we did before with the hashtag watch along with the TJC like we did before, because I think that was a great way to do things. Okay. Two more questions, very briefly. Yes or no answers. Alex and Dave, will Ahsoka appear in The Mandalorian? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited about it? Ish. Ish. That'll do. (laughs) Clarification of the question. Excited about Ahsoka or excited about the second season? Ahsoka. Ish. Slight apprehension. Me too. That that's why I wanted to know. We can discuss that at length during our weekly Mandalorian episodes. However, Actually. I just wanted to have that on record. So when it happens, and I'm the only one moaning, and you two start telling me how fantastic it is, I have it on record that Mr. Contrary was part of the group just for once. <laughs> Works for me. Works for me. We we've we've already discussed this. Dave, I will hold you accountable like Boris Johnson does Dominic Cummins. <laughs> so not at all, then. Exactly. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, for round four of the politic- politics podcast, um, yeah, back to my two questions. The first one is going to be your final thought, but the second one that I want to get first, so that's the first question or the second one. Dave, out of ten, ranking of the book. Eight and a half. Oof. High praise indeed, Mr. Contrary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the best Star Wars authors around at the moment. And he always has been. I would have given it a six coming into this podcast, but I leave giving it a seven. Hmm. Okay, that's good news. I'm giving it a solid eight. Um, I think it's one of the best new Star Wars books that has been out for a while. And with that in mind, gentlemen, Final thoughts for the day. Mr. Contrary, what's your final thought for today? Well, do you know what? This this has been actually really interesting because we sort of we've picked up on themes of the book rather than sort of discussing what happened in it, which I think was was a really interesting approach to it. And and in those looking at the themes, I've discovered things about the book that perhaps I hadn't either understood or really or really wanted to engage with whilst actually reading it yet having discussed it i've obviously retained a lot more information from it than i realized first of all and second of all i sort of understand the rationale for the decisions in a way that perhaps i found a bit cumbersome and slow moving as i said earlier but now on reflection perhaps i understand why if it is indeed to build for a second and third book of the manner that we've been discussing. Of course, if the second and third book continue in this vein, I reserve the right to downgrade it to a five. <laughs> Sounds like the sequel trilogy. 
No, I just gave them all five straight off, and I, you know, I didn't. didn't. Fair enough. Dave, final thoughts from you, mate. It's great to be recording again, um, and and it's nice to just talk about Star Wars. Just, but with no preconceptions, we didn't come into this this um podcast really knowing where we were going to go it, it wasn't scripted in any way this one um and like they ever are well well normally we we, we when i'm hosting we yeah we claim we have a, uh, an idea and and you've normally shared or one of you have shared a list of su- subjects that you'd like to cover off whereas this one has been it's been completely unscripted but We've really talked about such a wide range of Star Wars. We've we've covered all of the various different bits of Star Wars that we see, and it's been nice. Alex. I agree. Yeah, my final thoughts. I uh, yeah, it's been good to get behind the mic again with you guys. It's always good chatting the wars. And it's, yeah, I think your point is is bang on there, Dave. You know, it's been good to talk about. I don't want to call it positive Star Wars because that's not what I mean. But th- this book has been well-received um, collectively by by us, which is always a good conversation to have. Yeah, we've still managed to pick tiny holes in various different bits and pieces. But that's the nature of, of you know, we were not all going to like the same thing. And I think for me, the book is, is a great way to learn more about a character that I've been a fan of for, for years. Um, and oddly, one of my prized possessions in my star wars collection is my thrawn six figure six inch figure that i've got because it it just looks brilliant the the way that they've got him you know it's fantastic so for me having this book and extending the legacy of thrawn um for me has been a good thing and dare i say he's slowly creeping into my he's always been in my top 10 from a star wars character point of view but he's slowly creeping into the top five possibly even top four for me now um i really love the character so it's good to get a good book, great author, great storytelling, double thumbs up from me. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm going to read it again because it'll probably take me about six months. Um, but I am going to do my best when we get the next one <laughs> to read it quicker. And with that in mind, yes, we are the Jedi Council. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been good to get back behind the mic. Don't forget, you can follow us on www.the-jedi-council.com. Alternatively, if you go to Google and just type in the Jedi Council, we are number four in your search results. I was surprised at that as well. Yeah, we're number four. It's great. Um, so type us in in Google, the Jedi Council, and you go straight to our website. On the website, we have everything and anything where we're talking about Star Wars. But if you want to find our back catalogue when it comes to podcasts, jump onto SoundCloud. That's where most of our podcasts are hosted. But we are also on the iOS podcast app. We are on Google Play. We are on Spotify. We are on Player.fm. We are on Amazon Music. Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Go to your Alexa, say to her, play the Jedi Council podcast, and we will appear on your Alexa, and it's absolutely fantastic. Apologies if either of you have got Alexa, and I've kicked that off in your background. Um, I kind of said it a little bit quieter for me and put my microphone on my one mute so it didn't kick off, which is a good thing. Um, That's where you can find all of our podcasts. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter, at the Jedi underscore Council. You can find us on Facebook. We are the Jedi underscore Council underscore TJC. If you want to find us on Instagram, we are at TJC underscore the Jedi underscore Council. We don't have a Snapchat page. We don't really know what that is. We don't have a TikTok page. We're we're, we're not in our 20s. Um, None of us are, actually. Um, No. 
So therefore, that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. Find us, subscribe, like. Yes, we're also on YouTube. We've not put anything on YouTube for a while. We're slacking on that, funnily enough. Uh, but again, if you just kind of search for us, the Jedi Council on YouTube, you will find us. Look out for us. Find us, friend us, follow us. I've got an idea. Go for it. I've got an idea. I was just about to how about How about if 10 people say they want to see our first Mandalorian show on YouTube... We'll record it as a YouTube show. And they'll only know if they've heard this podcast. Okay, so... All right, okay, cool. So on the back of that, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, friends, followers, once we tweet out about this podcast, once you've listened to it, go back to the tweet, go back to the Facebook post, wherever that may be, wherever you found us, comment, I want to see the Jedi Council talk about The Mandalorian on YouTube. Or something like that. Or something like that. Exactly, exactly. so hashtag TJC on YouTube. There you go. And um, if you don't, we get the hint. And if you don't, we get, if you don't, we'll probably do it anyway. No, we won't. <laughs> but, faces, faces for podcasts. Yeah, that's not us. Uh, no, that is us. Hold on, that's not right. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> so right. thank you very much for listening to us for the last hour, hour and a half ish. And remember, may the force be with you. The force will be with you always. <laughs>